I worked at Super Value in Whitehorse, and uh, there was an older uh, cashier with that per perfectly coiffed hair who would smoke her cigarettes, and she'd look at me, and she'd go, squirrels don't have all the nuts, Nick. <laughs> Took me a while to figure out she was talking about me. <laughs> You know, I, I, I do want to say I just love the accents I hear. The South African, the Jamaican, all the, uh, the Russian, like Varya going at it in the prayer room. And just, uh, we're so blessed. British, of course, the colonists, yes, we know, the British. We've got Indian, we've got just from all over the world. And it just gives me such comfort because we're kingdom first. And whatever we were born second. And that's why we can live together, because we're about God. We're about Christ, about His kingdom. And I just love the picture in Revelation that men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together in Christ. It's an amazing thing. So, Lord, I do thank you for the nations. I thank you for the nations represented here. Lord, we just long for them more. We thank you, God, for unity. We thank you that you were central. Just thank you that you would be honored and lifted up in this place. Just thank you for all these people, Lord. Thank you for what you're building. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Here we go. We're into James chapter 3, which is kind of nice. We're starting into 3. I know sometimes you can feel like these books take a long time, but sometimes I'm like, well, why rush? We're just going to get into another book after. So sometimes I feel to, to get into the minutiae. Other times just I feel to keep moving. But we're going to get to chapter 3. Now, you must admit that if you read James and you know a bit of Paul's, the Pauline epistles, as they're called, Paul's letters, that he, he communicates differently than James. James is very directive. He kind of tells you what to do, but he doesn't necessarily tell you how or why at times. Right? You rejoice in your sufferings. Okay? Don't be double-minded. When you look into the Word, be a doer. Where Paul can sometimes elaborate and begin to go, well, this is... What's going on inside of you? This is why you've got the struggles that you're talking about. Romans chapter 6. And he gets into various things in Galatians to, to try to help you understand what's wrong with me, <laughs> if I can say. And that's, that's, I'm going to bring in some of, more of, Paul's, some of Paul's teaching into this today to help us just to illuminate a bit of James's succinctness or his directness. So we're going to trust the Lord that he will um, enlighten all of us into this topic. I think it's a fairly... Familiar one, like last week, that faith without works is dead. He's going to talk about the tongue today. I think we can all relate to it. So let's, let's just get into it, starting with verse 1 here. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. He's very quick in this. He, he will move on from this, but he's, he's, he's saying literally, if you desire to be a teacher, stop. Stop. Consider what you're saying here. He includes himself in this. He says we. So he himself considers himself a teacher. He says God will be far more forensic with you than with others. It's strict, more severe. Now this is a very strict and severe, short but succinct warning to the reader. And I'm interested in it because if you look at uh, what's to come and when this is written, and we know that 8070... For Jerusalem, all hell will break loose. It will get ugly quickly. And he's preparing them for what's to come. 
and the potentiality of what's to come. And a lot of it revolves around the teaching that they will receive. Now, Paul enlightens us with this. And if you ever want to remember Paul speaking on teachers or the end times, it's 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 4. They kind of are tandems. But this is what Paul says. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines mean teaching of demons. Where are they getting these destructive heresies or doctrines? From teachers. People are speaking these things. Where are the doctrines of demons coming from? Well, from the devil himself. And it's important to remember the devil himself is, is a liar. And we're, he, he speaks from his own being when he lies. He's a deceiver. He comes as an angel of light. This is what Jesus says of him. Speaking to the Pharisees. Doesn't sound very loving of Jesus, does it? Sometimes we like to pick and be selective, but here Jesus is like right in their face. You're of the father of the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Hmm. This doctrine of demons is coming from the enemy. Much of what can be said by him can be reasonable. Other stuff is just way out there. But he kind of comes in, it's an angel, but he, he kind of mixes it in and gets compromise to happen. And this happens throughout the various regions that the gospel is preached in the New Testament. So you'll see this on the heart of many of the writers of the New Testament to warn the people that after I have... Like Paul would say, after I've preached, after I've spent time with you, nine months, ten months, three months, whatever it is, he says, after me, some people will come. And he reinforces it. And I put this in the Amplified to make a point because we are living in this time. You see, Nick, they always work. Yes, that's correct. But more so now because you have access to all of this from your phone. And keep in mind, most teachers that are preaching deception, do not know they're deceived. <laughs> and we are prone to guru-type people. We're attracted to charismatic people, good-looking people, people that are dressed well, all of these various things. And we just, they speak with such conviction, and yet they don't know what they're talking about. You need only to watch YouTube for a bit and find some young person apparently spouting great wisdoms that they have yet to live a life. I solemnly, who, Paul, charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready when the time is right and when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct. Who likes to be corrected? Oh, I love to be corrected. Those who err in behavior or sorry, in doctrine or behavior. Warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and in accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth, but wanting to have their ears tickled. 
with some, something pleasing. They will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another chosen, to satisfy their own desires to support the error they hold. And will turn their ears away from the truth and wander off into myths and mad-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. Dear people, this is the time we live in. And if you just accumulate people around you to listen to it, and you can find them that will support whatever sin you desire to walk in, they will say, it's fine, dude, you're good. And they will have all manner of doctrine to support it. Yet it's not the truth. You're not free. This is what's going on. This is why James is like, dude, stop. You want to be a teacher? God will go doubly accountable in other versions on you. He wants the fear of God in them that overwhelms the fear of man that's always there. Who doesn't want to be liked? Who doesn't want to please people? Who doesn't want people to speak highly of them? We all have it within us to be liked. But he wants the fear of God to be at preeminence in their lives. So they would not fear the people and placate the people and support them in their sin instead of calling them out of it. Calling them higher instead of getting in the muck and the mire. Calling them out. So he's, he's giving this sort of this severe you know, challenge to the people. Do not many of you become teachers? Because they know. I mean, it was so bad in John's time. When John's writing 1 John and Gnosticism was just permeating the, the place. He says, you have no need of a teacher. For you have the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. He's like, dude, these guys are done. Now we know we have teachers, Ephesians 4, and there are various places for the office of a teacher. But it was so bad. Be careful, those who want to get up and teach and to preach, to text, to pontificate about the things of God. Have a bit of little, little seasoning of fear. It's not your words, it's his. To tremble at his word. Even Paul says, with the terror of God, we, 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 we plead with you. And I understand not everyone will understand what I'm saying in this room about those things. But let us have respect for the word of God. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Let's continue. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and reign in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. That's quite a profound statement. When you actually read it, if you've ever got to the place in your Christian walk where you've really confronted sin in your life, you're like, dude, I'm sick of this. But there's this weird warfare within your, the appetites of yourself. You're like, well, what's going on? And you, you read this scripture, it says, all oh, without exception. Everyone stumbles. But if a person can stop stumbling with their mouth, they have reached maturity. That's what it means, complete or perfect. There's a maturity that happens if you can control this thing. And not only that, the interesting, read it there. You're able to control not what you, just what you say, but your whole body, its appetites, its desires. You can bring it into submission by controlling this. It brings this into submission. It's appetites, as long as it's desires. It's a remarkable thing. It's like the tongue is a bit of the kingpin, the boss. Now, he has brought this up in previous chapters. We moved on because we were coming to this section of Scripture. If you recall, he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious in chapter 1, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, 
this person's religion is worthless, bridal. Now, he's going to expand this idea, the idea of controlling or bridling this thing. Indeed, we put bits into the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. It's interesting, eh? Now, I know nothing about horses, so I'm not going to fake it. But that thing on the right, you put that into the, the metal part, goes in the mouth, and the kid, that kid is a fraction of the weight and power of that horse, and yet it can control it just with that bridle. It's an interesting picture. He's, like I say, just in case you missed the verse, what he was saying. He goes deep, he goes deep to understand and, and to, especially for James, because he's quite succinct, as you know. He is expanding something here. It's no accident. Look at the ships. At all of, look at also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Want to make a Vancouver picture here? We see these ships as we look out on the water. Massive ships going in one direction. All the, guy, all the, all the, all the captain does is turn, and now it goes in another direction. All by that small little rudder. He's really highlighting the size difference here and the seemingly power imbalance that you would see when it comes to the size. So also the tongue is a small part of the body. Yep. And yet it boasts great things. <laughs> see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our body parts as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Please, James, speak your mind. That is very clear. He is highlighting, again, he's been 20-odd years in Jerusalem through a lot of things as one of the lead guys in Jerusalem. And I would say that we can relate to that. We've been probably on both ends. We've probably started a few fires and somebody's lit us up as well. I don't think this, this, this uh, is foreign to us when we really think on it. Think of the hurts in your life. The wounds you've sort of received. The things that are harder to deal with. How many of those wounds come from someone's tongue? What they spoke over you. What they said to you. your friends, your loved ones, particularly people close to you. This is the challenge of social media as well. Is you can't escape people's tongues. Every little, that little piece of flesh, that little, little I was going to do a picture of a tongue, but there's something disgusting about the tongue. So I just didn't think it would look good up there. Sorry. You all got tongues? Have a look. There's something gross about tongues. You know, I noticed my, my father was, God bless him, do bless him, Lord, still alive. He was a very abusive man. And I noticed that uh, when he, the physical abuse was nothing compared to the verbal abuse, particularly on some of my brothers. To this day, I had, I had some brothers that wet the bed longer than they should have, five or six. And I remember how he'd sit them, get, sit them there and he would berate them. I remember how they'd bring their friends over and he'd bring it up in front of their friends. Those wounds last a lot longer than abuse, the physical abuse. I'm not saying I didn't get some issues from physical abuse. Believe me, I'm not making place for that. 
I'm speaking on the tongue here. Think of it in your own life. You didn't get the blessing of your father or your mother. They never thought you were good enough. They always noted that they always seemed to esteem one child over another. We're all aware of this, the tongue. And we see that even in Proverbs, a very familiar scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life. Speak. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's not only the tongue affects the worlds around us, it impacts ourselves. How you speak over yourself, what you say about yourself. Our mouths, we can, we can build up or we tear down. Even our own, our own lives. Matthew 15, a familiar passage, is not what enters the mouth that defiles a person, what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person. How's your social media account look? What you tweet, what you post on Instagram, what you post on, if anyone uses Facebook still, you older folks, apparently. It's a remarkable responsibility. You know, the one thing we see in the States is they got like 300 million guns or something, and you're like, somebody's got a gun. Well, this is saying this is more powerful than a gun. And it goes off a lot more. It's lethal. And, and, and there's, I can't unpack, but the wor- our words are very powerful. Jesus actually is the word. There's something about words that we don't understand as humans that in the spiritual realm have great impact. You got juxtaposition to Jesus, the word, the liar, Satan. In a sense, it's a war of words. Language matters. How you speak matters. That's why the word of God is on our lips when we pray. We proclaim the word of God. We're constantly proclaiming so that our own alignment comes into what the word says. People say, I have my truth. You don't have your truth. You have your opinion. And maybe you do have the truth, but there is no my truth. We're not talking about that. That's an opinion. But it's now being substituted as my opinion. No, my truth. No, there's one truth and the truth will set you free. We partake of it. We did not bring it. It came down from above to reveal himself to us. Truth. In the inner parts. What I've realized is many people don't want truth. They just want their truth. They want their ears tickled. They want to live the way they want to live with the benefits of heaven. And yet the very thing that will bring the judgment of God, God bless you, the very things that will bring the judgment of God you live in. Dear people, this should not be. Incline your ears, open your ears, have ears to hear what God is saying now in the time that we are in. Because he is speaking. Yes, the enemy is speaking, but he is speaking, dear people. And he has a plan for each one of us. He has a plan for you. Why forfeit it? Thank you, Lord. For every species of beast and bird or reptiles or creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. And Liberty's dragon at home, what is it called? The bearded dragon said, yep. Even bearded dragons have been tamed. But no one can, mankind can tame the tongue. Now he's going deeper here, man. In case you haven't got it, it is a restless evil, unstable. It's unstable, full of deadly poison. No one can tame the tongue. Now if we were to stop there, to me, that's quite disheartening. disheartening. It's quite defeating. On one hand, I've been told to bridle my tongue. On the other hand, I'm told... Mankind cannot bridle his tongue. 
So which is it, James? Help me understand. We'll continue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth can um, come both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. And all honest people in the room have listened to yourself, and you go, yep. Yeah. We're well aware of people saying stuff to us and hurtful things to us. Are you aware of your own words to others? Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? I don't think so. Not that I've seen. No. Can a fig tree, my brother and sister, bear olives? No, a fig tree would bear figs, right? Not olives or a vine bear figs. Nor can salt water produce fresh? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or vine, bear figs, nor salt water produce fresh? I actually believe that this is the key in this that James is giving us. He's not giving us necessarily the, he's giving us the what, but not the how and the why. He's considering the sources. Can salt water and fresh water come from the same source? Anyone? No. Okay. Not a trick question. They come from separate sources. Separate sources from within. He's juxtaposing the flesh and the spirit, I believe, in this passage. There are many people who would, would see things a bit differently, but I see Paul saying this, and he goes into great length, Paul, on this subject, and that's why I do love the Pauline epistles. Our tongue merely exposes who's winning at the time or who's in control at the time. Are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in the flesh? Listen to yourself. And dare I say, although he's not covered in this passage, listen to what you're, what you're thinking. Because the mind produces the thought as well as the heart as we know. Now I would just like to land and just examine this a bit. And I would like to propose a solution for us that God has afforded to his people in bridling their tongues. Something that he has given to us. Now, if you guys recall Acts chapter 1, Jesus is meeting with, with the boys and he's about to leave and he says, you guys wait in Jerusalem. Do you remember why he said wait in Jerusalem? Anyone? To receive power when the Holy Spirit... Sorry, are you there? Talk, having a dialogue with Varya. Dude with power from on high through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And he says, you will be my witnesses both in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and the outermost parts. Who was more qualified to start the missionary journey than these guys who just spent three and a half years with Jesus? And he says, wait. You must wait until you receive power from on high. And of course, we know Acts chapter 2 this is what happened. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and they suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. 
to speak out. It's a very strange occurrence. What a thing to see. And of course, I was trying to find good, good um, art to articulate it, and it's all pretty cheesy and weird. So I've gone with this to give some type of display of what it looked like, but it's very strange. The first instance of God pouring out a spirit at Pentecost grips their tongues. Now here, he, he, they're speaking native tongues, as it were, human tongues, and people around them hear it. Now James has told us the source, something from within comes out of our mouths. What was the source that produced these tongues? The Holy Spirit. I just, I think it's of paramount importance to us to consider the Holy Spirit and the role of submission of our tongues, of bridling of our tongues, the necessity. You say, Nick, you need the Holy Spirit for everything. Yes, you do. You're right. But we're talking about the tongue. It says, no man can tame it but the Holy Spirit. What is impossible with God is possible. Or sorry, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And my encouragement to us here is to yield to the Holy Spirit, in particular around the gift of tongues. Now, I get it. It can get weird if you don't know anything about it. And here you go, going on about tongues. I was on the, in that camp for many years. But there is something significant that happened when God showed up in this new dispensation of the Holy Spirit being released amongst its people. And he grabs hold of their tongues. And when you see the gravity of the tongue that James highlights here, it's no small thing. And not to each one of us, we're like, still, it's not that big a deal. It's just a little. No, James is saying it sets the world on fire. Would you go to sleep in a haystack with a candle? No, no, no. Hey, put the candle away. Dude, dude. You see the fire warnings, hazard, hazard, no fires, no fires. Why? Because one spark will destroy acres, homes, lives. Hasn't it been interesting? Your life's going super well. You're walking along and you just say something stupid. You tweet something stupid or whatever you guys do with the social media stuff. You say something, you're like, why did I say that? Why couldn't I just shut it? Now, some of us, like myself, who sometimes often will speak without thinking, it's even worse. Be slow to speak. Quick to hear. See how it's all married together in James? What he's saying here is, dude, you're beaking off. You don't know what you're doing. It's, it's essentially, a, it's coming from the salty source. It's not coming from pure. And everyone can see it but you. And there's a blindness that comes when we walk in arrogance. We don't see things as we ought to see them. That's why we must receive the word implanted with humility. That's why, to me, this comes to the prayer life. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Do not neglect the gift that we first get. Oh, how we desire the prophetic. Oh, how we desire multiple various gifts. Use the one you've been given. If you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, I would be happy to discuss afterward. I'd be happy to pray with you. We just want the full arsenal of what God has given. If God is asking you and me to fulfill the call, just as he 
he has mandated the Acts church to fulfill the call and has given me less than he gave them, it's unfair. If it is God's work done God's way, he must give me the tools. Who am I to be selective and say, I want this, don't want that. I don't like this. I'm a Canadian. We're quite reserved. We're passive aggressive. We are aggressive, we're just passive aggressive. Right? This is, this is the mandate of the, that James is appealing to is all that's in us. What is the source? Be led by the Spirit of God. The tongue, to me, is directly tied how we speak. Speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues. The second thing I would say is this, after speaking in tongues. I just believe sometimes we just got to stop talking. Don't text. Think. Did you guys grow up with a statement saying, bite your tongue? Because that may be a very strange translation. Whoever's using translator, translator right now, bite your tongue. Don't talk. Oh, the world of iniquity that blows up from one thing that you said. If there's one thing I've learned in marriage, and you can ask my wife if there's anything else I've learned, is it's better to shut up when you're heated. Just stop. The Holy Spirit is going to convict you. If you're of Him, He will convict you, and it will take time. You will not be able to sleep. If you go to bed, on the, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. You have to give place to the devil. If you try to go to sleep, it's like, oh, man. I, Lisa and I have had those, those odd punch-ups in our marriage. I guess punch-ups are a bad word. No physical, just verbal. Um, where you just know the Lord, I'm, I'm God's. He's going to get, so just, just be quiet. Now, of course, what the wife then goes, why are you quiet? Are you angry? <laughs> you know, it's just what it is, right? But it's better to say things that you do not mean. You don't mean it. It's the flesh. It's selfish. Think of your flesh. It's selfish. It's self-centered. It looks out for itself. It knows nothing of laying down its life. But our spirit man does. Because it's led by the spirit. So I encourage us to consider how we speak today. Do we bless? Do we curse? Let's stand together, please. Just ask the worship team. They're going to play um, all to Jesus. Now, you may have been convicted here today, and you may feel a bit uh, overwhelmed. Understand that it is to uh, confess with our mouth. Confession is very important. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, to be Lord, you shall be saved. There is a means of confession. But understand, it's just yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. Yielding your tongue to God. If you do not do this, it will continue to wreak havoc on your life, what you speak over yourself, and on the lives of people around you. This is what James is telling us. So Lord, we just come before you now, and we offer our tongues to you. And dare we say we offer our heart, because out of the mouth comes the abundance of the heart. We offer our minds, that we not be double-minded. We offer our bodies to you. That they be useful to you. That they would bless people. That in the midst of rage and hatred right now that we see across the world, so much hatred, so much rhetoric, so much anger, that we as a people would speak life. That we would bless and not curse. That pure water would come out and all would come round to, to drink of the pure water as it were. We yield our bodies, our tongues, our minds, our hearts to you. Help us bridle them by your strength and your power, by your spirit. 
We just commit this now to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.